Hello and welcome to the Marysville Church of Christ podcast. This is Heritage. My name is Bishop Darby, and I'll be your host today. Today we find ourselves in a small town in the Middle East in the early part of the first century. This town was nothing special. It, like many cities in that time, lived in abject poverty. It would have been made up of a majority of Jews, men, women, and children who were devoted to the Torah and its faith. But there wasn't really anything special here. You look around, there aren't beautiful homes, illustrious shops, rich commodities being traded in the market. No, this this was just a, a normal town. In fact, the only thing that this town really had to boast of was one family who had probably moved up the Roman government. The male, the father, probably a treasurer, someone who worked with finances, who had made a name for himself and carved out a role. The family would have owned a lot of the land in this town and in the surrounding cities. And this family had but one thing to boast for, a young and beautiful daughter between the ages of 14 and 18. Now, she would have been a catch by that society's standards for a variety of reasons. One, she was of young age, which gave her plenty of years to bear children. She would have been beautiful. But perhaps most importantly, she would have been politically useful, as every upstart businessman would want to marry into that family. And every businessman would have wanted the political prestige of marrying into that family. You think about it, it works out. A quid pro quo. They get a upstart businessman in their pocket. He gets to associate themselves with them. So it wouldn't have been very long before this young, beautiful girl would have been married off to somebody. But it wouldn't have lasted very long. In fact, it probably wouldn't have lasted more than five years. Something happened in these five years that would forever shift and change this young woman's life. We don't know what it was. Did the husband leave one day for a business trip and die unexpectedly? Was he abusive and manipulative? Did he hurt her? Did she find herself running away? Did she find herself hurt physically, emotionally, or mentally? Well, we don't know. What we do know is that the actions over these years left her a widow and left her with deep psychological and emotional trauma that would have rendered her an outcast in their societies. She went from the top dog to an outcast almost overnight. She would have, though being very wealthy still, been completely isolated, looked down upon, Everywhere she would have went, the crowds would have parted, casting her judging looks. Perhaps she developed a, a, a twitch or a, a, a cheat of some sort. Perhaps she developed physical ailments. But it was very noticeable that something wasn't right with her. One day, this now slightly older woman, late teens, maybe early 20s, found herself walking along the city, hiding in the shadows as best she could as to not attract the gaze of anyone. With her hair veiled back and her face covered, she was probably just looking for her daily meal in the marketplace. 
going stall to stall, seeing what she wanted to buy, when she heard someone speaking, a male. A crowd had began to gather around him. And what he was saying was so magnetizing. I mean, it was funny. <laughs> it was interesting. He was telling very interesting stories of, uh, of servants who had money and dug it in the ground. He was telling of kingdoms and nations and kings that were, were lying and deceptive. He was telling parables, almost like those children's stories she grew up listening to. And she couldn't stop listening. She kept finding excuses to get closer and closer to the crowd, despite the fact that she knew she shouldn't. I mean, she is a woman, after all. But eventually she finds herself hiding behind a wall or behind a rock, soaking in every single word that this man was speaking. Eventually the man would have gotten done speaking and began to leave when he noticed her. He noticed her, the broken, her, the outcast, her, the woman, and he took pity on her. He took her into the home that he was staying in, and behind closed doors where no one was watching, he began to heal her. One after another after another, she felt the layers of trauma, of psychological hurt and emotional damage being pulled away. Depression, anxiety, physical ailments, all the things that come along with it were being stripped away from her. And she found herself being revitalized and made new. This woman, this woman was changed and different. And in that moment, in that room, behind the closed door, she decided then and there that she was going to follow this man, Jesus, wherever he went. And not only that, but she decided that she was going to give her considerable wealth to him. That she was going to finance him everywhere he went. She went home and she gathered her things. She packed them hastily and she went to his side and began traveling with him. Now, this man, Jesus, had an interesting group of followers. A little rabbi school, I guess you could call it. Made up of predominantly children, but some young adults the oldest of which, probably an 18-year-old named Peter, married. Kind of the head of that little rabbinic school. And Mary would have followed everywhere they went, listening to the stories of Jesus and the way that he taught the disciples, learning from the master himself. All the while, she was the one who was financing them, travel planning, and putting together everything they would have done. It was her who would have put together the itineraries of what time to go to what city and where they were going to stay. She was planning all of Jesus' ministries. This woman who had been healed from all of her ailments, who had been fixed and cleaned and made whole, who had devoted her life and her efforts to this man, refused to leave his side. One day, Jesus came in to a room where all of the students would have been and Mary would have been and would have told everybody, I'm going to Jerusalem to prepare for the Passover. And immediately, Mary Magdalene would have done what she always did, which was plan the trip. She began immediately to write letters and cards to different people she knew in the city, getting her finances in order so she could fund where they were going to stay, 
Jesus said he wanted to go to an upper room for the dinner, so she would have made that happen. Little did she know that everything was about to change. Jesus and his 12 students went up to the upper room. She probably stayed in the local inn. However, she was woken up early the next morning to a mob outside chanting as loud as they could, crucify, crucify. She began to run out, wondering if Barabbas had escaped. Maybe there was another Sicarii terrorist attack. In panic, she would have grabbed the other women that were there with her, Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Salome. And they would have run outside only to see Roman guards carrying a bruised and battered man, Jesus, to trial. Imagine the dread and the hurt as Mary watches the man who saved her, the man who cast out these psychological and physiological demons, the man who made her whole again, being drugged up on a stage. But she did what she always did, and she refused to leave his side. She walked with him as he bore the cross. She walked with him onto Golgotha. She winced as the hammer hit the nails that were going into his hands. But she, all the while, refused to leave. The other apostles fled like sheep being scattered. Even many of the women who walked along ran away out of fear of punishment, but she never left until the moment he died. It was her who was going to prepare the body. It was her who was going to adorn him and give him the death that he deserved, her king and her Lord. After Jesus found himself in the tomb, Mary Magdalene found found herself anxiously anticipating the Sabbath to be over so she could go and finish taking care of her Lord. All the money that she had, all the resources that she had that she had given to this man didn't matter now as he lay dead. A crushed dream. Maybe the scars of her emotional pain, maybe the scars of her psychological trauma began to creep back in as once again a very important man in her life was ripped from her. Maybe once again she was struggling to find purpose and reason in living at all. But when Sunday morning hit, she went running to the tomb and there found it empty. In panic, she turned and she ran. She found the apostles. And she told them that Jesus is no longer there and she didn't know where they were, so they all ran after him. Simon Peter came running into the tomb. John, the youngest of the apostles, stood anxious, teetering back and forth, But when they had determined that the body really wasn't there, they left. But Mary stood crying, refusing to leave her master, refusing to leave her king. Then a hand was put on her back, and a man began to talk to her. It was Jesus. She wept. She reached out to grab him, to embrace him, but he asked her to stop because he was about to ascend to the Father. 
And he told her to go back and to tell the good news. Tell the first time the gospel of Jesus Christ. And she did. She ran and she told the disciples that Jesus Christ had been risen from the dead. She uttered the first of what would be a thousands of years of this glorious proclamation that Jesus Christ is no longer dead. She said the words for the first time that would have changed the course of human history forever and give birth to our faith. Jesus Christ is risen. Mary Magdalene's story, though, doesn't stop here. It's interesting that up to this point, she was basically what Peter was. See, Peter was the oldest and most well-respected of the apostles. He was often the one who talked and led the younger apostles. And likewise, whenever there are a list of women mentioned, Mary Magdalene is always first, which indicates that she had the highest priority. Her name is actually mentioned more than anybody else in the uh, any other woman in the New Testament. Mary Magdalene was the Simon Peter of the women. And so it makes sense that her story wouldn't stop here. I mean, she was young, she was wealthy, she was affluent. She was the first one to offer the proclamation of the gospel to the world, and she had a special place in the heart of the Messiah. As her story continues, what we see is that she became very close with one of the apostles, John. John, at this time, still would have been very, very young, and she would have been older than him, but they had developed a friendship. And so it is no surprise that Mary Magdalene began to travel with John. Wherever John would go, she would. And wherever they would go, John would tell and teach and talk about the Scriptures, and Mary Magdalene likewise would recount her testimony, her witness of the the resurrection of Jesus Christ. She would have retold the story of her life and how Jesus healed her. And she refused to leave him. And she was blessed and rewarded to be the first one to see him. Eventually, John would make his way to a city called Ephesus, Mary Magdalene in tow, as was usually the case. But when they arrived, something went wrong. Mary developed an illness of some sort and passed away there in Ephesus, thus ending and cutting short her life. But her legacy was intact. Though John the evangelist would continue on for decades, living until the turn of the century, teaching people the wonderful impact of Jesus Christ, you can imagine that, just like us today, the marks of Mary Magdalene were carried everywhere he went. The beautiful story of the woman who was healed, who never left, who in bravery stood beside Jesus until her dying breath. See, Mary Magdalene changes us today. Her legacy carries on today. Because without her, we wouldn't have had the first gospel proclaimed. Without her, we wouldn't have the hope of the faith that we have today. Without her words and her actions and her efforts. Over the years, she has developed a a lot of titles. Apostle to the Apostles. Mary Magdalene. She has become a saint. In the Eastern Orthodoxy, she is the reason for, and, and in the Western Roman Church, she is the reason for the nuns. Women who devote themselves to a holy life to take care of 
men of faith financially and providing for their needs. She is the, the reason for so many women of faith that would come later. We have recordings of women of faith writing and citing their efforts to Mary Magdalene. And even today, her efforts reverberate through the annals of history. But today I would like us to consider that Mary Magdalene is not just an influential woman of faith for the ladies, but she is an influential Christian for us all. Do we have the bravery of Mary? Will we stand beside Jesus even when it could cost us our life? Will we boldly proclaim the resurrection of Jesus? Will we remain by the tomb? Will we remain waiting for him? Mary Magdalene changed the world. And she changes us today. As she is one of the biggest reasons for our heritage. Our story. I'll see you next week.